Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Today on Locked On Irish, as we typically do on Mondays, we are going to be breaking down Notre Dame's recent victory on the gridiron against UNC, as well as discussing a struggling men's basketball team that looked a bit sloppy against Michigan State on the hardwood. This is your daily Notre Dame Athletics Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Joe DeLeon, former college football player at the University of Rhode Island, current NFL free agent, joined by Ryan Roberts, the director of scouting with NFL Draft Bible, as well as a college football and NFL draft analyst. Ryan, I, I want to get to the good news, and I, I would assume this is the news that everybody wants to, to hear and discuss. I wouldn't call it news, but the, the more brighter discussion, which is the, the, the football team looking fantastic in a game that many people assumed was going to be another upset for Notre Dame. However, we have to bring up the, the more disappointing aspect of Notre Dame athletics, the poor performance this weekend before we get to that. So the beginning of the show, we want to talk about uh, Notre Dame men's basketball struggling against Michigan State. They lost 80-70, to 70, and th- this box score is not truly indicative of what the game looked like for a majority of it because they, uh, they were down 13 at half, and they were also down by over 20 points at certain points in this game. It wasn't until Michigan State put a bunch of their, their walk-ons in at the very end that they were able to draw it with intent. So this was a sloppy way to start the season, a season that I think we expected them to have some, some high expectations to do some pretty good stuff with some talented players. Not really the performance you want, Ryan, when you start the year out facing against a, a top-ranked Michigan State team. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was. And when, when you're looking at that context, right, like the 10-point victory, like you said, is not the indicator of what this game truly was. I mean, they were down 30 at some points during this game. So it was it was sloppy. It was not a great performance overall. But at the end of the day, it's still the first game. So, like, this isn't going to be a full barometer of the quality of team that you have. And then you're also you're facing off against Tom Izzo and Michigan State, which year in and year out, Tom Izzo is a great coach who recruits well, obviously, right? Like, he gets talent there, but he's another guy that's similar in the Bray role, uh, Bray mold to a degree, but a little, obviously, taking it up a notch, right? Like, he is a, a he's really a um, guy that has taken players and really grown their abilities to being great basketball players. So Michigan State has a great, uh, a great uh, foundation and a great program, obviously. It was a well-balanced attack for them. When, when I was watching this game, I was just... The spacing, the passing, it was just so fundamentally sound on both sides of the ball offensively and defensively for the Michigan State you know, uh, program that it was it was disheartening at, at points, obviously, right? Like we wanted to see Notre Dame at least hang in there and maybe have a close defeat. It, it was something that can't be overstated, but then also it was, it was a little disappointing. I mean, you have to call it what it is. But it, at the end of the day, it's your first game of the season. Better times are ahead. And you're facing off against what is, you know, over the last so many years, 20 years what plus at whatever it's been now with Coach Izzo, that has been one of the blue bloods of college basketball. And, and you just don't jump off the ledge here. It's just a really bad first performance for Notre Dame. Right. I like that you pointed that out, that we can't overreact too much. We are disappointed in the performance as – fans of the athletics program. We were hoping for a little bit more juice from this basketball team. But before we start to to jump off that ledge and, and maybe freak out a little bit more, 
we need to see some struggling through multiple games. So they're they're playing Western Michigan on Wednesday. So hopefully that is a good game to figure their stuff out and fix some of the issues. But the main issue that arose for me, Ryan, in this game is that Prentice Hub was basically doing everything. He played fantastically. I, I saw a guy that had an intent to score, had an, an intent to dish. 23 points for him, six rebounds and two assists is a pretty good day. But the problem is, is they're really, and I talked about this with Matt Sheehan, I was seriously concerned who was going to step up as that secondary and tertiary scorer and getting guys like uh, Leshevsky and and Ryan and Goodwin only scoring in the teens is already a, a bit of a problem that you're not getting a huge boost in points from those additional starters. Durham looked non-existent, only getting five rebounds and four um, four points in this game. The bigger thing, though, that killed them because when the starters were in the game, they were actually winning at one point in the middle of the first half. They looked pretty good. They were hitting the three really well. They were moving the ball around. They were playing better than than they maybe people expected them to out the gate. But the problem is, is they completely fell off as soon as they had to put their bench players in. And I think Mike Bray realized this and he had to overplay his starters, leading to them in the second half, just basically looking pretty dogged and pretty tired towards the end of it. Their four bench players, the only guy that played over 15 minutes was Jogo, and he played 16 and he only had two points to get they only had in this game. Six total points from their bench. You're not going to win basketball games if your starters are going out there and doing everything and then your bench can only score six points. You need guys that can step up. And that is clearly the big issue that they don't have somebody to come off the bench and, and play with some juice and provide a spark when they, when they need to continue that momentum, which they clearly did not have when they were leading. Yeah, and, and we obviously have the guy that seems like he is the dude for the team, right? Prentice Hub had his moments uh, Ryan hit a couple early threes where you were like, okay, all right, maybe we got something here a little bit. And, and it wasn't the, it was a pretty solid start for Notre Dame. But then you got into that bench play. And I mean, to put it even more in context, right? Like Notre Dame only had four bench players throughout the entirety of the game. Every one of their starter played 30 plus minutes in this route. And Jogo, like you said, only 16 minutes. The next closest guy was only six minutes. And when you look at the, Michigan State side of everything of the box score specifically, right? Like you look at this and there's a lot of guys playing. Obviously, it's a blowout victory. But the real big stat for me is they had four guys from Michigan State talking about Hall, Bingham, Brown, and Watts that all played over 15 minutes coming off the bench. So just to put that into perspective, I think that the depth that Michigan State had Comparative to Notre Dame was the big decider in this game. Notre Dame had good spurts, especially in the beginning of the game, but they were not able to carry that over consistently throughout the entire game because I, it just seemed like there just wasn't the ability to rotate players in, keep guys fresh. Michigan State was clearly the deeper team, and they, you know, at the end of the day, they were well coached. They didn't do a lot of things to hurt themselves. They passed the basketball well. They they were great spacing all game, it seemed like. They were getting open shots. Just seemed like they were a little more ready to go, and they had that depth that really kept them going throughout the entirety of the game. The last thing I just want to bring up that makes it, I think, a little bit more disappointing is, is Notre Dame is typically going to be a team that is well-rounded, and if you're going to win – basketball games as this Notre Dame program has you need to play cohesively 
Michigan State beat them not with one guy killing them, not one guy completely smoking them. It, it was instead a collective performance from their starters, from their bench. They just played really cohesively with all that stuff that you brought up, Ryan. Notre Dame didn't have any of that. They had their starters out there who looked good. Some guys struggled. I, I Again, disappointed what I saw from Durham. They need to play together better, and they need those, those bench depth pieces to come in and actually have an impact. This Western Michigan game is going to be very important. We're going to talk about that coming up soon on another show, but they need to play really well. They need to not only go out there and win, but they need to dominate. They need to get these these bench guys in there and rotating and performing well so then down the line, they're a little bit more confident when they're then facing some of these bigger programs that they're expected to face, like the North Carolinas, like the Ohio States, like the Kentucky, like those programs that they're going to be facing very, very soon. Coming up, we are going to be transitioning to the football game where they played very, very well against UNC. Before we get to that, though, folks, I want to talk to you about my favorite beer out there on the market, that being Coors Light. I absolutely love drinking Coors Light, and I know that what we're dealing with currently is is obviously difficult in the world, and it always just feels like we're always on. Do you feel like you need that moment to chill, and how do you like to hit that reset button when you're getting ready for what's next? I know that when I want to relax and hit that reset button, I love to use my weekends to chill and, and drink beer with my friends. And the beer that I always go and buy and grab is Coors Light. It is the beer that is 100% made for relaxing, hanging out, and watching sports. Watching football is therapeutic for fans and is uninterrupted me time, an excuse to chill and drink that wonderful Coors Light. With minimal college football uh, teams playing this year, Coors Light wants fans to know that there are still plenty of teams and sports out there that will allow them to relax and enjoy a beer. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team, especially Notre Dame, just to drink beer. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, Ryan, now we get to be a little bit more positive here. Before we get into this this UNC performance and how they looked, uh, coming up on Tuesday, our next show, that is going to be tomorrow's show, we're going to have a discussion preparing you for what you need to know about the Western Michigan game being played on Wednesday. This is for the basketball team. A lot of good stuff that we need to cover as this team needs to transition after their 80-70 to loss against Michigan State. But now we get to be positive, Ryan. We're going to move away from basketball because right now the big hot team is this Notre Dame football program. We finally get to be super positive as this season is winding down. They've got two games left for whatever reason, and you could hear it in a lot of people's voices saying that UNC was going to come out and upset Notre Dame. I kept hearing that from people the, the whole week. And they played exactly the way that they needed to. So to start us off, we're going to do our offensive takeaways. Ryan, what was the big takeaway for you offensively? Well, it was it was a great victory, Joe, because I was on the NFL Draft Bible um, morning show and everybody was picking this upset. And I'm just like, it's not happening, man. It's not happening. I was being the optimist as a fan and as a media member for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And it, for this, for and this is kind of a this is an indicator of success for Notre Dame every single week because Notre Dame plays so good defensively, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, that offensively they have 
some star player power in Kyron Williams, Javon McKinley in flashes, Michael Mayer, the young tight end, Ben Skoranek, Ian Book. Like there's some guys that can make plays. But when Notre Dame plays clean, they are a very good football team. They have they did no turnovers in the game. Ian Book is on a very nice streak of games consecutively without a turnover. Kyron Williams, none of the running backs turned the ball over. Nobody coughed the ball up. They played clean, consistent all the way through. And they just kept plugging away at them. They kept wearing down on the defensive line because we we obviously the big story going into the week was Jared Patterson out, um, Tommy Kramer out, Josh Lug, and Zeke Corral in. What is the offense going to look like? They just kept going at him, man. They weren't running the ball incredible to start the game. They were just kind of churning along a little bit. But they played clean. They played hard. They kept wearing down on the offense. And when they when they don't turn the ball over and they don't shoot themselves in the foot and they don't make mistakes, Notre Dame is going to have a chance to win the football game because that defense plays so well and Notre Dame did enough. They did not capitalize on a couple more opportunities. This game could have been even more lopsided than it ended up being, but Notre Dame played a clean football game offensively, did not hurt themselves in any way. I really like that you pointed that out. You gotta, You kind of have to run them down. You have to... Wear them down, as you said, which has really helped this Notre Dame team. The other thing that I point to, we saw in the beginning of the game things going not in the way that we, you would hope for Notre Dame to start offensively. The first drive basically ends at a sack. They give the ball right back to a UNC offense that was already firing out the gate. But I knew very confidently, I don't know why, but I was very confident that this team was going to settle down and they were going to figure it out. I wasn't overly worried that this game was going to turn into um, a, a really high-scoring shootout. Even though I, I jokingly tweeted it from the account, you could just, I could just tell that they were going to get settled, they were going to get everything back underneath them as they typically do. And I think that that ability to settle down when you're getting hit with adversity, when things aren't going well. You've got two new linemen in. They're struggling a little bit in those first few drives. They're giving up pressures to Ian Book, which typically doesn't happen. That ability to settle down in those situations is going to continue to help them down the road. That is the one thing that we keep saying from the, seeing from this Notre Dame offense that we haven't seen in the past. Typically, what we'll see is when a, a bad play happens not in their favor, they, they, they sometimes shut down. They would sometimes not be able to rally and, and transition from that. But what we're seeing now is not a lot of things can knock them off track. They come back to the sideline. They say, all right, this isn't working. We need to, to focus. We need to get back to what we were doing and what works for us. And we're going to go out there and score points. And that's exactly what they did. They, they took momentum that was not in their favor, and then they grabbed it and then put it in their favor. They, they took advantage of an opportunity that didn't even seem to be there for them. And, and I, I think one – because everybody's always going to talk about the quarterback one, Ian Book, and they're going to talk about Brian Kelly too, the coach, because obviously the ultimate decision and the ultimate number is going to go to his record. But I think that some coaches that really need a lot more credit in this situation, one, Jeff Quinn, the offensive, court, uh, the offensive line coach for Notre Dame, after Harry Heastan left to take the job with the Chicago Bears – it was a little tough at first, right? You're like, oh, this is a tough transition because Harry was one of the best offensive line coaches in the business. But he has done a phenomenal job continuing that trend of what Notre Dame has done, getting a couple of young kids um, opportunities to play this week. You know, Josh Lugg's a, a little older of a guy, but he even limited opportunities there for him so far in his Notre Dame career. And I really think the two people that need a ton of credit, and we're talking obviously more offensive side of the ball here, but Tommy Reese 
after what what started out as a little rough, bumpy road to begin the year, first time as an offensive coordinator on a full-time basis, he's done an incredible job. And I know we're going to talk about the defensive side of the football in a couple minutes, so I'll save my praise for Clark Lee. But if you don't know who Clark Lee is on a national level yet, you're going to know very soon because it's going to be sooner rather than later that that guy is going to be a head coach and he's going to be up for one of those big jobs. Excellent coordinator play. And Brian Kelly has done a great job of putting two outstanding coordinators in place and letting them be the offensive and defensive mind to fuel what is a talented Notre Dame team we have. I honestly think that that Lee is on a, a Brent Venables type of a trajectory and making himself one of the best defensive coordinators in college football. We, we, we can address that very shortly, Ryan, but I, I do like what you mentioned with Tommy Rees. My one play that I point to in this game, and I also tweeted it out, was that Ben Skoranek end around jet sweep that led to uh, that was a touchdown. Like that was a fantastic call. There was you're moving the ball downfield, you put the ball in the hands of your most powerful receiver and you just let him carry that thing to the promised land. I think that was a fantastic play to 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 call that in that spot when you just needed something unexpected to transfer the momentum uh, back in your favor. So Ryan, let's hand out some game balls. Who are you going to give your offensive game ball to? Well, you mentioned Javon McKinley. I feel like we've been teeter-tottering every week on who the best wide receiver on the roster is for this week. And although Ben did have that end around for a touchdown, uh, or that jet sweep, I should say, for a touchdown, uh, Javon McKinley, I think, really gave them what they needed in the passing attack because they gave them some downfield vertical element. They gave them some big playability. Talking about six catches for 135 yards on only six targets. So he did everything that he possibly could with those opportunities, made a few big plays, really felt like early on, and we saw it, right? Like North Carolina was doing an okay job against Notre Dame's rushing attack because they are really crowding the line of scrimmage, crowding the box, Having a guy like Javon McKinley able to create a few explosive plays feel like really loosened things up a little bit. So when I'm looking at what was the big um, the big turning points, or maybe not turning point, the big indicator of success for how Notre Dame wins football games, I feel like Javon McKinley's um, opportunities down the field and being able to make some of those plays where secondaries can't just single cover him anymore, right? Like they have to give him a little added attention, take a couple guys out of the box, feel like Javon McKinley really loosened things up for what Notre Dame ultimately does best running the football. It's turning into a pick-your-poison type of a situation with these receivers, and McKinley is the guy that steps up this week for a huge performance. I I want to give him give him a game ball and I think he deserves your pick here uh but if I were to give a second guy a game ball I, I want to give it to Kyron Williams he was struggling a little bit early on he wasn't picking up those huge chunk plays that we're typically used to him seeing but he was getting good rushes early in the game he did have a good performance 23 for 124 and two touchdowns really good day for him but the reason why I want to hand him the game ball is because of the the final drive and his ability to finish on that drive. He had that 47-yard rush, and I would argue that was the dagger. There was about four to five minutes left in the game. I said to my dad, who was watching the game, I said, this drive is important. All they need is, is a good splash play from Williams, and they can then just run the clock down, maybe score a touchdown to put it out of reach. And that was exactly what they were able to do. They were able to, to get that huge big rush, and that, that boost right there from Williams was the big reason why they were able to, to slam that door shut and prevent UNC from getting any opportunity to bring themselves back into the game. So we're going to give our two game balls to Williams and also Javon McKinley. 
Ryan, in a few minutes, we are going to talk about these defensive takeaways, but do you have a message for our listeners from another sponsor? Absolutely do. If Victory Monday isn't enough to get you through the day, try grabbing the best protein bar on the market. Of course, I'm talking about Built Bar, which is back improved with an even more delicious recipe, better than ever. 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have the six new flavors that are on the market. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. If, you're in a, if you are a traditionalist and you like the original 12 flavors, you can also get coconut almonds, raspberry, German chocolate cake, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, and of course, the absolute best protein bar that I've ever had, peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy on the go. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in one of these delicious treats. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're also great for the keto diet. Some of the flavor profiles that you can get in the mix. Peanut butter, which has 19 grams of protein, while only 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, only 5-gram net carbs. A couple other similar Profiles there for your protein and your calories, coconut almond, cherry barcia, all equally great while also being extremely good for you. Built Bar has now reset the promo code for this relaunch. Now a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So please take advantage of that offer. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On. That's all capital Locked On. And you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Folks, if you're looking for something else to listen to, check out Peacock and Williamson NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On Peacocks and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you can get your podcasts. Getting back to this Notre Dame Notre Dame defense, and to wrap up today's show, I think, Ryan, it, it, without a doubt, this was a defensive victory. This was a, a performance that really cemented how good this Notre Dame defense is can be because this was a UNC offense that before the bye was exploding. They came out firing in the beginning of the game to score 14 points. And then all they were able to finish up with was another three after that, that early 14, 14 tie in the first quarter. Defensively, they, they proved what they have that they can shut down some of the best offenses in, in the country. If they keep playing the way that they are. So Ryan, I'm curious to hear what was your defensive takeaway from this game? Because I would argue on all levels, they played a fantastic game. And, and it, was, it, it was a situation where if you would have told me Kyle Hamilton got kicked out, and I, I'll be very honest with you, when he got, when he got um, taken out of the game for targeting in the second quarter there, I was like, wow, man, that's a big loss. Like That's, that's something to worth note to keep a tab on through the rest of the game. But the adjustments, and we talked about Clark Lee, already in the first segment, like or second segment, we talked about, you know, he might be the next big defensive coordinator, maybe into the Brent Venables tier, maybe a head coach candidate in the near future. 
Zero points in the second half given up to an offense that is fantastic. Sam Howell's played on Sundays. Both those running backs. Like, everybody wants to talk about Javante Williams recently, and he definitely should be. In NFL circles specifically, people are taking high notice. They absolutely shut down the run game. They shut down the pass game in the second half. They let up and on at so the the average for for uh, North Carolina they average over 300 yards passing game. They average o- o- about 250 yards rushing a game. They held this offense to zero points in the second half and gave up and allowed 286 yards less on average for total offense. Less than 100 yards rushing, less than 250 yards passing. The defensive performance, specifically in the second half by Notre Dame, was phenomenal. The adjustments that Coach Lee created in the second half, the amount of pressure that they got on Sam Howell, just an all-around dominant defensive effort where it was to such a degree that when we were picking game balls that we're going to give out in a couple of minutes, it was hard to to focus in on a couple (laughs) guys because it was just such a dominant performance without arguably your best player, Kyle Hamilton, on the defensive side of the ball. Just an outstanding defensive performance. And it makes you feel, and it gives you that that sense of um, of confidence that no matter who Notre Dame is playing, this type of defense can at least keep you in the football game and gives you an opportunity to win. And honestly, folks, we all have our Notre Dame hating friends that are going to bring up, oh, they're not legit, they shouldn't be number two, or they shouldn't even be number one, they're not as good as Alabama or Clemson. Point to this. Point to this game and those statistics that Ryan just put out for you. This is a team that has the two best running backs, the best running back pairing in the country. They These guys, you just pointed out, Ryan, over 250 rushing yards per game. They held Michael Carter to 57 rushing yards. They held uh, Javonta Williams to 28 and 2.5 yards per carry. Talk about shutting down an offense, an offense that needed their parity, their, their ability to throw the ball and run the ball equally, they shut down both things. It's not like against Clemson, where when they shut down Travis Etienne, DJ Uyunglele was able to throw for over 400 yards. No, they shut down both things. There wasn't a single receiver that went over 80 yards. The best receiver in this game was Diami Brown, who had 84, and a lot of those yards came from a 51-yard pickup. Besides that, they didn't give up a ton of splash plays. They kept everything close. They they didn't allow any big game-breaking plays to keep them in this game. Even though they, they gave up 14 points to start the game, they immediately stopped any more forward progression because Clark Lee is a fantastic defensive coordinator and what we saw him do in this game is a big reason why this Notre Dame team is a legitimate contender not only can they their offense perform at points where they need them to but this defense can stop some of the best offenses in the country yeah and if, if you bet the over in this game then you are a little sad I saw someone on Twitter <laughs> actually say that like oh you better bet the uh bet the over after it was like 14 to 7 or whatever early in oh, that game yuck. and I was just like have you seen Notre Dame's defense this year? Like, they don't always come out the best. They don't. But the adjustment period that, Co- that Coach Lee has has been able to consistently do on a game-to-game basis for Notre Dame, it's notable, man. And to hold players like Javonta Williams to 28 yards and 11 carries. Michael Carter had a couple nice runs, but, you know, he wasn't the the difference maker that even he should be. Daz Newsom had a couple nice screen plays, but like he was a pretty much a non-factor. Besides for the long play to De'Ami Brown, he was a non-factor. Like 
they held which are four NFL players on that skill position player, not even counting Sam Howell, who it might be in contention for the first pick in the draft in 2022. They held this offense, this explosive unit, to 17 total points, no points in the second half. Like it was just a dominant performance, and it was just so much fun to watch after what was a kind of a bumpy start to the game. All right, let's hand out some of these game balls. And if I could give out a game ball to the whole defensive line, I would. But I wanted to pick one guy. Adi Ogundeji had two sacks and two tackles for loss. They were swarming the hell out of Sam Howell this entire game. Big reason why they were able to play so well. But I want to point to Ogundeji, who played fantastically. He played out of his mind, chasing down Sam Howell, making huge plays against the run. Big, big performance from him in the entire Notre Dame defensive line. Yeah, and and I mean you could you said it perfectly. Like you could have given a game ball to that whole defensive line. I even saw Howard Cross giving some some reps yeah. inside. I mean, like they were all playing so well. It was great to see the depth that Notre Dame has on that defensive line, a part of that six sack performance. I want to give a, a shout out though for my game ball and give it out to the Buck linebacker position has been kind of a revolving door this year. Drew White is the Mike Backer. But we've seen guys like Shane Simon, Maris Loifout. Like, there's been a few guys that have been rotating into the buck. And Jack Kaiser, like, who's the guy to take over the mantle in this game? And I don't know if he's solidifying himself as a starting player. Maris Loifout, the sophomore, the redshirt freshman linebacker, really took advantage of every opportunity. The, the box score is not going to impress you. Five tackles and a half a tackle for loss. But if you saw this game, this guy was active. He was all over the place. He's got kind of that tall, lean frame playing inside. He's an athlete on the second level. And I felt like he was a big, big piece to stopping these athletes in space. He made a lot of nice plays. He made some plays that kind of went unnoticed to a degree because he just showed such outstanding range on the second level. And I feel like when we get into those matchups in the later part of the year, the Clemsons, hopefully into the playoffs with, with some of those teams that are going to be there that have all those athletes at wide receiver and at running back. A guy like Maris Loifau is a player that could pay huge dividends down the road and had a, a really nice performance here against North Carolina. And Loifau is somebody who's not like a huge name that one I, I point to every game, but I noticed him. I noticed him, his, his impact this game. And you talked about if you watch this game, you know what Loifau did. And I – he was all over the place. He was shutting guys down, making plays, playing outside of those expectations, which continues to be a big key for this Notre Dame defense is guys stepping up when you don't really expect them to be the guys that do step up. So big, big performance across the board. Their next game is going to be against Syracuse. This is a, a, a struggling Syracuse team that lost a couple of their key starters to injury, especially Andre Sisco. We're going to talk about that stuff later in the week. Folks, that is it for us today. Uh, stay tuned for tomorrow's episode as we're going to preview the Western Michigan basketball game. Also, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Irish, at Joe DeLeon, and at Rise, the letter N draft for Ryan. Subscribe, hit that subscribe button just so you can stay up to date on our daily episodes coming out five times a week. Uh, lastly, if you're looking for something else to tune into, as I talked about earlier, Go check out that fantastic show by Peacock and Williamson, part of the Locked On Network. Fantastic NFL analysis if you're just looking to hear uh, something a little bit different than college football. 
See you tomorrow, folks, and have a wonderful rest of your day.